hamster with a blunt penknife would do it quicker. Welcome back to the Lost on Gallifrey podcast. I mean, sorry, welcome back to a Hampton with a Blood Penknife, the Doctor Who commentary podcast. I am here today with a seasoned podcaster, Luke mm-hmm. Malloy. Why don't you introduce yourself? Let us know about your podcast and why you're here today. Hello, I am Luke from the Lost on Gallifrey podcast. Uh, the podcast is me and my co-host Chris and... We usually take an episode, sometimes we do episode battles, and we'll talk them through. We'll do a quiz in the middle, and we have listeners' opinions at the end. Sometimes we look at Big Finish, sometimes we just chat about news, Doctor Who news that's going on at the at the time. Uh, Chris is usually a bit more angrier than me about things, so that's our little dynamic we've got going. And uh, and this you're, is my nice one, aren't you? You're, you're yeah, one. I'm good cop. I'm good cop, and Chris is definitely bad cop. Uh, and this is my second time on Hamster with a Blunt Pen. <laughs> I thought we should add some context to this. That um, we actually recorded this commentary uh, fairly recently. Uh, why don't you tell the listeners a little about your your evening before we recorded it? I so. I finished work at 12 uh, because it was like... Hang on, a work... hang on. We started at 7. We don't need to start at 12 in the afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> it was a works party. We, we, we finished at 12. I drank a lot. I, I do drink quite a bit, but that day it was particularly quite a lot. I was at a party and then Joe was like, should we do this audio commentary? And I was like, holy fuck. Hamster with a blunt knife wants to do a commentary with me. So I ran away from the party. And came and settled this and joined Joe. Uh, everyone, including my partner, told me not to do it. And uh, there is now a recording in the ether out there. <laughs> Joe has probably watched seven times. I was watching uh, the episode today, Love of Monsters. So, and I've not heard it back yet. I'm ready to send to all potential future employees <laughs> half a million pounds is deposited into my bank. Honestly, what can I do? I do feel like you're tech tired just holding the fob watch over me. <laughs> <laughs> I did ask you, do you want to? Do you want it? Oh, no, you said you do want to listen to it. <laughs> I do, yeah. I'll just say one thing, right? There's nothing inflammatory at all on that recording. It's the most adorable thing I've ever done because I laughed my head off as you incoherently tried to string sentences together watching what we're going to watch today. Yeah, I, I hope you could get a lot more out of me today. The worst thing is I went back to the party after the recording and everyone was like, how was it? How was it? I was like, it was. It was the best podcast I've ever done. Mm-hmm. Best podcast. Nailed it. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, I'll send it across for you to listen to and you <laughs> I mean, I think I still think it's very listenable just because it's so much fun. Um, in terms of content, we don't really discuss the episode very much. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag release the drug cut. <sighs> Oh man, I know all this after after hours hamster I could release. I'll tell you what, I've got about an eight hour video I could put out. <laughs> the worst thing is we're, we're obviously going to watch this now and you've just got to pretend that you haven't heard things before. I'm sure there's going to be things to say, stories and things to point out that you're like, oh wow. Have you actually mentioned what we're, what we're watching? Uh, you go, you'd say. Well, if not, I'm going to give everyone a big clue, all right? I'm going to drop it now. Luke. Here we are meeting for the first time, and I'm flashing you my knickers. 
Hey, step four. Yeah, there's a good chance that may happen at some point in the next hour anyway. So <laughs> <laughs> who cares about step four? Yeah, it's love of monsters. Um, oh, what an episode. Okay. Is this the best episode of series two? Oh, um, I've got a very complicated answer. So <laughs> if we can delve into yes, please. my backstory. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I can see equations going around your head now as you try and <laughs> off you go. <laughs> The first episode I ever saw on TV was Tooth and Claw. I just glimpsed the werewolf uh, and I sort of watched that. And then I seen bits of the Sidemen episode and blah, blah. And then I met a guy at school and he, he was a big Doctor Who fan. He was already watching classics at the age of nine or whatever it would have been. Fabulous. So, game. yeah, what a guy. So he gave me a VHS of like the most recent episodes. And that was the Satan Pit. Love of Monsters and Fear Her. So two-thirds of that is probably the worst sort of desert island disc Doctor Who that a lot of fans would want. But actually, my, my least favourite on that set was Satan Pit at the time because I couldn't look at the beast. I thought, like, I was just scared of him. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. I know. And Fear Her, that moment when he picks up the torch was just so good. But this this was my favourite <laughs> one. This one, Love of Monsters, is my favourite one. It was. <laughs> I had someone say that that moment where he picks up the torch the other day was the nadir of Doctor Who. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that the difference between a kid and an adult, though? To a kid, that is the peak of Doctor Who. This was a grumpy adult that said that, all right? (laughs) Well, it's... it's Hang on, you you were a kid then. You were a kid now. How old are you? Uh, 25. Oh, my God. Do I look younger? (laughs) How old am I? 32. Oh man, you can say I'm 41. So you can ask. Oh, you look great for 41. I ain't just saying that to charm you. This could be love. (laughs) We're charming each other so much. Oh no, wait, your girlfriend's in the other room, isn't she? Jesus Christ. We better go. It's all right. Got the headphones in. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm having an affair with pretty much every guest, all right? So. (laughs) Yeah, I won't take it too personally. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But the Rusty Davis era in general. Yeah, well, it was the one I grew up with, so I've always got that nostalgia with it. Um, ah, it's so hard. I think out of the two, I do gravitate towards Moffat stuff more. But yeah, I will say about Moffat stuff, though, it's better watched on your own, I think. <laughs> what does that mean? Yeah, like, I, I, I get more on edge when I watch it with people. Whereas RTD, you can put any RTD on and everyone will watch it, won't they? I'll tell you what, if I ever watch any classic Who's today, with no actually that's not true not true anymore but when i was a kid if i watched any classic who alongside a non-fan i would have a sweaty ass crack like you would not believe (laughs) (laughs) stop watching tv it's really embarrassing (laughs) yeah there is a bit of that i think it's because rtd who is the most sort of mainstream isn't it you know it'll go down at least okay i think probably apart from this episode is the the only one that that people would probably be quite popular with a non-fan uh, except maybe the absorb off, but the rest, I, yeah. think, I think it's fandom this is divisive with. Yeah, it seems to be. And obviously, as a kid, I had no idea. So it's only sort of when I start to get really into fandom, probably around series five and Matt Smith and that, they, everyone's like, this is the worst episode ever. And so is Fear Her. And I'm sat there with my VHS crying, going, <laughs> this is the worst episode ever. Some people say that every week, don't they? I know, and this is the thing. It's what I need to really keep in mind when I'm I'm looking at the modern stuff, and I'm saying that sometimes myself. It's uh, like 
I know. In fact, I, I talked about this on take one. I had a little bone to pick with you and, <laughs> and your mate on the podcast. What's Go on. Chris, Chris. Oh, I'm sorry, Chris. I should remember your name. Sorry. To be fair, I don't remember the name of half my friends. So um, don't take it as an insult. Um, I mean, this Jodie Whittaker baiting, it's got to stop. All right. <laughs> she, is, she is my ray of sunshine. You know what? I go on bloody Twitter and all this, and there's poison and toxicity everywhere. And then I go and watch Jodie Whittaker, and my heart just warms. And I listen to your podcast. At least they're slagging her off the old time. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's, it's not for evil of us, to be honest. I I can't get... There's no point in me getting too into it. I don't, I don't hate her. I don't like her. I'm not one of them. I've got nothing against the actress at all. It's just not for me. And to be fair, uh, I, you know, I listened to your Flux episode, and there was a lot of positivity in there, as, as well as, you know, Jodie Hayes. Yeah, I, I, I do try and pull Chris back a little bit. I think we do... We do uh, Chris, I, I criticise Chibnall more, but I'm more interested in sort of the writing side of it but yeah we were really positive i think on like the first four uh it was sort of when the rest of fandom fell off in five that we ju- we were in that as well you know what's really hilarious i promise you we'll all go into love and monsters in a minute you got an episode of strictly to get to at some point tonight <laughs> Sorry, that's dating is it the final tonight yeah i can feel oh. rachel's eyes burning in tobacco <laughs> don't worry rachel what time does it start seven yeah, we've got loads of time. We've got loads oh, of time. Okay. Hour and a half. Um, although, you know, we may t- test <laughs> the listeners' patience if we don't skip it in a minute. But I just want to speak one thing about Chris Chibnall and um, the Flux season. And that is you know, the irony that he went on points of view as a nipper and looking like the absolute stereotypical specky geek um, and launched an attack on my gods, Pip and Jane Baker, okay, for saying that Trial of a Time Lord, the longest Dog 2 story ever, was incoherent and didn't have much to it. And then he produced the longest story ever, which was pretty incoherent and didn't have much to do. I know, I know. I mean, how many characters can you take out of Flux without it affecting Flux? It's it's oh, mad. If you but, come up with Jericho or Carvinista, right, I'm going to have you. No, no, they've both got purpose, I would say, to Flux. You know, to, I was really, I really liked Belle and Vinda as characters. It's just a shame they had no impact on anything ever. I reckon they're going to come back. I know, I know that doesn't have any impact. On I, I know, that's well, what's, that's not the point, is it? They well, could come back. Their, their opening story. It <laughs> 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 happens to be six hours long. It's just, it's just, oh, it's just bad writing. I just... Can't, I can't get on board with Chibnall, but I will say I'd much rather he just threw a load of crap at you, and it was entertaining, like Flux has been, than, um, yeah, than yeah. sort of struggle through boring stuff. like hey, we're not school, No, no, we're not. Sorry. sorry. Really? It's because it's, it's, it's relevant and current, isn't it? No, let's talk about something Marvelous, marvelous Russell T. Davis. Yes. Okay. And it, isn't he just? What, marvelous? Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, no. Hey, did you read the news that they, that they leaked today? I don't know how true this is. This could I think so. The five part thing. Yeah, is that true? Do you reckon? No, but I would love it. Oh, I don't want Matt Smith back polluting Doctor Who. Back off! Oh, <laughs> that floppy git. Jodie Whittaker, a ray of sunshine, and Matt Smith. Oh, now I see. Now you make my heart melt again. Honestly, you oh, it's great. Isn't it? Okay, all right, all right, we're definitely getting in now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why don't you count us in? Uh, okay, okay. Uh, three, two, one. Let's go for it. Oh, no, I've started ever so slightly late. <laughs> oh, uh, don't worry. We'll just be a little bit out of sync with each other, but I'm sure we'll be fine. If you give it a quick one-second pause, we might be in. Oh, I love this live pausing. 
There we go. How's that? Okay. Yeah, it should be fine. Uh, so we're starting here, what? Not mid-story. We're start- In the narrative terms, we're about a third into what is actually the story, isn't it? Or is yes, it- yeah, yeah. It's when he's talking about sort of... Oh, God, no, it's gone from my mind now as well. So this so is... Really... <laughs> I reckon I could I can reckon I could do the script off my heart, but I can't I can't think that. And I've basically not watched it for a year because I'm not counting last week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't know. Although you did get the true experience, right? Because uh, the other story in Love of Monsters, it has to stay through me sort of without my life. Because in fourth year of university, we we just used to watch this episode all the time. This is non-Doctor Who fans, so it just became a running thing. Drunk put Love and Monsters on, bored, put Love and Monsters on. And so I've seen this episode, oh, honestly, you know, talking the 200s, you know, up there. You know what's really sad is Dan Zeff never directed another episode. I know. This is an episode, right, which is very hard to put together because it's full of comedy set pieces, uh, very dramatic moments, emotional moments. It's full of flashbacks, like subversions. Like, this is a hard piece of drama to assemble. And he does it so confidently. Yeah, no, and it had never been done before. And, you know, especially on Doctor Who. And it's just like, it's so sad. That's what it did. It went, Yeah. <laughs> you did that the first time around, you know. <laughs> oh, it's great. I, I love it. Okay, I'm going to ask you a question straight off the bat. What do you think of, of Mark Warren as Elton? Yeah, you definitely asked me this last time. This is creeping back in. <laughs> hey, oh, he's so good. Like, to, to have such a sort of plain, normal character, but be so interesting, I think that's that's a compliment of both the writing and the acting. And Mark Warren's great. I mean, there's a, there's a rumour he's meant to come back in End of Time or Stolen Earth, just in that sort of... You know when he goes through his farewell tour. Oh my god, I would have, I would have loved that. That that would have been for me. But yeah, you see David Tennant holding a raw pork chop there. Yeah, that is literally one of my fantasies. I'll tell you now. <laughs> David Tennant holding some meat. Oh my god, is that you? Are you the hoiks? Oh yeah. Well, look, at, <laughs> I'm not not dissimilar. Am I? <laughs> oh my god it's great here it's like this like french fast sequence as they're running back and forth i love it oh yeah see i i think as an adult this would annoy me if this happened now did you, did you grow... love it now as an adult or oh yeah i love it now but i've grown up with it i think if this was like if this was live right now as doctor who i'd be like yeah. oh. i'll tell you what then luke you've just described everything that's wrong with becoming an adult all right is you lose yeah isn't it it's oh. not something. It's not something I even would have batted an eyelid as a kid, but well, no. Especially you had a bloody great slavering monster coming at you. You know, you're probably a little bit scared watching that, weren't you? Uh, not the hoiks, no. No, it's all right with the hoiks. Don't you love the fact that in series one, two, three, and four, they had this running continuity? So I love it in a minute where he goes through aliens of London, Rome. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's this is stuff I used to absolutely love. I think I did, did you ever have that book, uh, Who Killed Kennedy? Because that's basically like the same thing, isn't it? They blow Dodo off and they literally blow Dodo in the face with a gun. <laughs> yeah. I think yeah, I think so. But that's like a journalist going through past adventures. And so it's it's quite similar to that. But it is great, isn't it? 
See, look, handheld camera work here. Dan Zeph's trying to make, uh, you know, like handheld camera work look like it's an amateur filming it. Yeah. And it does. It does look like it. I think yeah. My dad used to have a handheld camera, so we've got, like, Christmases and stuff filmed exactly like this. So maybe that ties into another reason. Like, my uncle documented, like, almost 15 years on video. I've got, like, a 15-year period where every single family event has been documented. All the team yeah. and the laughter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that you love this. Um, like David Tennant as a sort of shadowy figure on the worst day of his life. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I Russell is the best at doing them, like that dialogue. Like, what it's like an eternal shadow from the howling halls. What? When other people do it, it sounds cringy as hell. But when, when Russell writes it, it's like, ooh. I think Ivy Russell Davis like wrote some very evocative descriptions of the Time War. And the last thing we ever should have seen was the Time War in the Day of the Doctor. Because it's so fucking mundane. It's just Daleks versus Time. Yeah. Last yeah. Day. Whereas he was like, it's the, the army of Neverwares and the King... <gasps> And, and the sorrow yeah. degradation that I'm like, oh my God, that sounds amazing. And all we saw it, it's like, oh, it's an episode of Battlestar Galactica. All right. I know that that's the issue with seeing it. Is the, it's the issue with all them big finish box sets. It's the, it's the only big finish I don't really go for is the Time War ones. Because it's just Nick Briggs. Like, that's where I chipped out, you know. That's, I, I was reviewing every single big, and I, I've got to those Time War sets, and I stopped reviewing big finish full stop. I can, yeah, I can see why. The, the Dalek dialogue on Big Finish is particularly awful. It's just Briggs seek, right. locate, exterminate, I'll repeat. Now, these scenes here, right, are these scenes from Elton's point of view or are these things that actually happened? Like, oh, no, nah, these happened. These happened. <laughs> like, it's my headcanon. It's my headcanon that when Eccleston and Rose are in that street, Elton's just behind them. Do you know that? Plan. That, that scene where they're on the roof in Alien's Land, she's like, alien and monsters and things, and I'm the only one on planet Earth who knows they exist. <laughs> I love that scene so much. Invent this rudimentary pulley system just to get my boots. And by the time I'd done that. So I've had quite a few nights, right? Now, you've, you've had a few of these. I've had a, quite a few nights where I've woken up in, like, strangers' basements and things, yeah. <laughs> and I've had to create rudimentary pulley systems to get from the bed to the window to escape because I don't want to see him in the morning. So I do empathise with him entirely. Yeah. Jackie Tyler. So I've not, I've not actually mentioned... Uh... Christmas Love and Monsters yet, have I? Which I know I banged on about on my first take. Oh, what, you mean your sequel of To Love and Monsters? Yes, yeah. Uh, so for listeners, I wrote a big 38-page novella, uh, spent months on it last year you called said, Christmas you, Love and Monsters. You said you devoted an entire year to it. I might have exaggerated a little bit. Then. It felt like a year. It was a good three months, to be honest. Uh, but there's only little things like I really have to study Elton's flat and think is that a flat is it a house because it's like a bedroom a kitchen and a computer and a living room all in one and his mum's there as well he's living at his mum's isn't he oh I never that was never in my head canon though <laughs> give us the gist of Love and Monsters the sequel yeah do you want the synopsis I, I, I was prepared this time okay so months after the downfall of Victor Kennedy Elton and Ursula are getting ready for their first Christmas together. Well, Ursula is. Elton is too busy researching alien incidents, looking for any way he could resurrect or bring back the friends he lost to Victor. 
But when an impossibly familiar figure arrives at the door on Christmas Eve night, Elton discovers that second chances come at a deadly cost. That sounds riveting. I can we can <laughs> we link to to that online somewhere? Yes, please. Yeah, I'll send out the links uh, if you could link it as well in your show notes. And then oh, I'd love to do that. I don't do show notes, but I'll do them just for you, just to link this. Yes, thank you. Is this going out before Christmas? Otherwise, it's a bit. Do you know what? I've got a feeling this might actually be going out tomorrow. So yes, this, this is like the quickest ever release. Well, also, uh, just by chance, tomorrow I'm releasing my next christmas story i've not written a story all year but tomorrow is because i did this one i've done a classic one this time uh, called the last of the great unit christmas parties so it's uh the unit family christmas party uh, explain the unit dating conundrum no no i'm not bothered about that i just want a christmas party (laughs) fair enough yeah actually Uh, it's after last week i believe you (laughs) <laughs> it's a lot shorter uh, tomorrow's release it's seven pages uh, Ra- Rachel my other half literally just proofed it for me then so <laughs> you, do you know what it is about Mark Warren right is it he's playing a nice guy yeah and it's really hard to make a nice guy interesting because he hasn't really got like a darker side or any exactly. like horrific substance to him and yet he's really riveting to watch have you ever seen him yeah. in I, no no I've heard he's really good though He's a totally different character. Like he's like, evil, isn't he? Well, no, he's kind of um, confident and cocky and a bit sexy. He's good with the ladies. Like the opposite of this. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's exactly what, what I mean. He's a three D character, but with you know, it's not it's not a writer trying to stuff him full of things to make him interesting. He's so simple, but oh, it's so yeah, so engaging. Luke, will you sing with me in a minute, please? Of course, yeah. How can you not? Let's get to the bit where, where they start singing and let's have a little sing song. Don't it bring is- me down, Groose. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, what is that piece of art? That looks obscene, doesn't it? It is. Oh, but this is like this is supposed to be. So this is absolutely a parody of Doctor Who fans coming together, obsessing about the Doctor, building a community. Yeah, and, and I don't think it's got anything bad to say about fandom. I think it's saying this is what comes because it, it's this bit. This is the sweet spot now. We know, yeah, the bad bit of fandom is incoming, isn't it? Ian, um, but Ian Levine joins in a bit, doesn't he? To to come, and I said to yeah. you last time that I've been briefly part of fan circles where a an individual has come in and completely taken over and kind of made it a bit of an ego trip and kind of spoiled the atmosphere. So I think Rusty Davis is very. He absolutely knows the story he's selling it. Yeah, yeah. Because in a minute, like, they obviously, they've joined because they're finding the Doctor, but in a minute, they just start doing things out of friendship, though. And that's, that's the beautiful bit. That's a beautiful spot. It all goes downhill. From when she talks about, um, is it her daughter or her son? Oh, yeah. It wasn't aliens that took her away. But just that line. Just that line. I know. Just, oh, so good. I'll tell you what, when we get together, can you do the baked catering, please? I'm not much of a cook. Nah, I'm not much of a cook, really. That's the last time you ride the ghost train, Johnny oh, Frazetti. You can read your short stories out to us. <laughs> now say your prayers. I think our pavement slab prepares for Christmas. There we go. That uh, the Johnny Frazetti story is mentioned in my in my Christmas Love of Monsters. I stuffed it full of references. It's absolutely crammed full. But in about three lines of dialogue here, you need is everything you need to know about that woman. Oh Absolutely no! Everything. You know why she's the. You know who she is. It's just 
he's so oh. that, sort of brief economic characterization that's really i know i can't wait for him of chicken it had no bone beautiful gave my love a chicken ready ready i got a brand new combat harvester and i'll give you the key oh it's beautiful what a moment I get Mr. Skinner on vocals in a sec. Go with the tambourine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. You ready? <laughs> you start us off. <laughs> You're going crazy, going out of my mind. Woo! <sighs> Don't bring me down. Don't bring me down. Whoa, whoa. Oh, my God. Bring me down. <laughs> Bruce. <laughs> Bruce? 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 Yeah, that's what I said. <laughs> oh, here we go. Oh, here we go. This is where people have a bit of an issue, in it? When Peter Kay joins the story. It's the most serious I've ever seen Peter Kay in anything. That, no. What about when he did that talent show thing as the uh, dragged up? Yeah, but it's like, it's quite comedic, isn't it? Do you remember the song for that? Over and over the and Christmas over. song. Yeah, it's quite catchy. It's quite catchy. <laughs> I think he's terrific as Victor Kennedy. Yeah. No, I, I like. Sorry, I, I said that like I don't like it. Yeah, I really like it. But I, I like the absorb off as well. It's so iconic now. Don't it? touch me. The eczema. The eczema. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! I love his look as well. <laughs> <laughs> the big hat <laughs> like he could literally be a version of the doctor dressed like that i don't know if we've missed it but there's a you can see a person in the background at one point in this scene oh it's got yeah we have missed it like just a studio member so in my head there's like a a, a missing six member of linda <laughs> a bit like uh bart's brewer in the in the attic if that's your story you know explain i know six members should have done really hey, you love that london what is it london investigation and the declaration <laughs> yeah <laughs> fantastic <laughs> he's been trying to drop that hasn't he because he said um in doctor magazine he's been trying to drop linda into something <laughs> yes yeah oh, it's just brilliant oh have i got a story about this little you know where they are? This, uh, this what warehouse. is it? Yeah, this warehouse. Um, so I've done, I've done a couple of like days out visiting Dog Two locations, and Love and Monsters one are all like central, central Cardiff. Uh, and my mate was driving, and we were trying to find this place, and he drove through a bus lane and got a parking ticket um, just so we could get to this place. He didn't have to, but he didn't know where he was going, and he was panicking. So he drove through a bus lane, got an 80 quid fine. We went to this place. It's a market now, an auction market. Looks nothing like it did. We took one photo of that lift that still exists and then we left. <laughs> so one picture, he got an 80 pound fine. Yeah. Wow, that's a good friend, I'm telling you. Oh, it, it really is. Yeah. And we went to the park that we sat on the benches before. There was an old woman sat on, on the bench that they were on. We were staring her out for ages before we could get on there and have, have a picture on it. <laughs> Doctor Who fans. Bench. We're Doctor Who fans, all right? We're <laughs> I was like that when I did Dimensions in Time, uh, the sequel in London. Every place we wanted to go, I had to wait for tourists to chip off so we could do it. Annoying, the... I know, honestly. <laughs> 
we are, we are kindred spirits in this uh, going off to Doctor Who locations, you know. Yeah, I, you know, it's such a fun day. I've done it a couple of times now. You're talking about when I went to the Android Invasion place, right? And I wanted to go in the pub and, and ask for a, a pint of ginger pop, and Mark wouldn't let me do it because he's he like, no, he goes, I bet every Doctor Who fan goes in there and does that. I wanted to um, film out in the village, right? Yeah, in, in yeah. the broad light of day with loads of people about. And he's going, no, let's wait for people to go. I went, no, tie me up to that obelisk now. Come on, I'm going to pretend there's a bomb going off. <laughs> there's people around everywhere. It was great. You've got to. Oh, did you? I can't, I can't, you'd have to go in that pub. Pint of ginger pop, please. They had pictures of Tom Baker all over the walls. It's great. Oh, I need to go. I love little bit just like that. I've been to the Devil's End one, and that's just, that's so good. Did you meet John Levine? <laughs> no, but I really want to. He sounds fabulous. so interesting. You know. <laughs> what? He's a fabulous eccentric. He's off his head. Yeah, he sounds so interesting. He looks it on the, on the, like, behind the scenes as well. Look, I mean, I can't think of any other Doctor Who story where they fast forward through the action like that to get to where we were at the beginning. <laughs> no, actually. But that's the joy you get with the first person narrative, that you can do all these tricks, you can jump about all over the place, you know? Yeah, and I do like stories told out of order. It's probably why I gravitate towards Moffat stuff. So that's probably another reason why I like this episode. I hope you notice I'm biting my tongue every time you say the word Moffat, right? I, hope you I know, yeah. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. It's only because I want you back on this thing, so I'm... <laughs> well, we will... Uh, we are, yeah, we are doing it next time. We've chosen time and age with flesh and stone. How am I going to criticise that? It's bloody brilliant. Well, pick one. Uh, right, well, we can think of another one that's a bit more juicier. Yeah, that scene where she tries to fuck him at the end. Oh, my. No, it's, it's quite funny, though, isn't it? Horrendous. Oh. It's quite funny. Oh my god, I love it. This woman who's in this scene in a minute, right? It was like, oh yeah, that's Rose Tyler. That woman. You, you can imagine. Oh god. She went to a bloody convention. She's only in a scene for 10 seconds. <laughs> I'd, I'd pay to be <laughs> Say the line. Can you say that? <laughs> Honestly, I would like, if, for a photo, with, I'd pay more for a photo with Linda than I would with Torchwood. Personally. Yeah, me too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Only if the Zorbaloff was in it too. Oh yeah, dressed up. He's got that publicity still from Doctor Who magazine there, and him from It's only something fans would know that, though, isn't it? Go on. Oh no, it's Rose. But you can imagine um, any other writer might take ten minutes trying to explain this. Russell's just like, ah, oh, fuck it. Some woman will know who he is. <laughs> can we get on with the story? I just love it. Well, like, do you remember when they're trying to find, like, the trap streets in uh, Face the Raven? And there's, yeah. like, that's like a ten-minute sequence, isn't it? Whereas this, it just cuts straight to the point. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Bob, 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 I could watch Elton dancing in his room all day. Luke. Hey, you with the pretty face. Welcome, Welcome to the human race. Yeah, I, I, I miss that a lot from Doctor Who, and Russell did it the most. You know, use songs, use music in Doctor Who. Did you, well, no, it's, it's, it, I think it's prohibitively expensive now. But you know when he comes back, he's going to do it again. He's going to say, yeah. you want me? I'll have a music in it. Yeah, it's in, it's in all his stuff. It's in Cucumber and years and years and stuff that, like, using music. Years I think Doctor Who's, yeah, it's always that. great when it uses it. Special Boys album. Yeah, it? and it's Toxic and End of the World. Yeah. Oh, I love The banger. That. Yeah. He uses it so well, though. And the drums. Yes. With Lucy, Lucy dancing all awkwardly. Oh, love it. 
Oh my god. Okay. So, so me the Go on, you get get in your element, mate. Well, no, no. It's just all the techniques that she uses in the next two minutes. Yeah, where she's inviting men over to like do plumbing, and where she's throwing wine at them, going, "Oh, whoops, that's tripped." I've done all these tricks, and I'm telling you now, they all work. Every single one of them. <laughs> yeah, what well, he will do for a handsome chap like you. Oh, I'm speechless. You can speak. <laughs> That's the first time I've ever heard. Just speechless. So happen to have some plumbing that needs doing. If you could come over right now, so like nothing can take me away from the monsters. I'm afraid. Oh yeah, or strictly. <laughs> yeah, actually. Oh no, but isn't this heartbreaking? This bit in a minute. Yeah, well, should we get into the deep stuff then? I probably tried to do this last time and failed flat out. What I love is the fact that she realises, after the call with Rose, she realises kind of that she's, she realizes she's an older woman seducing a younger man. It's almost like she sees herself all of a sudden. Yeah, yeah, and it's at the exact same time when Elton's in the mirror. Yeah. It's, a, it's, all, it's all nice. But yeah, every single character in this is going through loss or loneliness. And it's through sort of meeting each other that they have these little glimmers of happiness. That's what, that's what I really like about this episode. You know, people are lonely for quite a long time, aren't they? In long stretches of time. So these little, these little Thursday nights or the little phone calls from so-and-so are what really perks you up and makes you. I'll tell you now, right? So since I so I started this podcast during the pandemic because I couldn't be around people and I wanted to be around people. And I made an enormous friendship group within this podcast of people I'd never met before that you know I started podcasting with. And lots of people were lonely during that period. Lots of people were kind of on their own and 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 suffering. And we created like a small community. Mm. It's, it, Doctor Who and the Doctor it does bring people together I know a found way it's, yeah it's so it's so nice there's a lovely message in it and then it's also the big absorber monster but that's what that's what Doctor Who is isn't it it's, you put in all these deep and uh, like touching things that we, you don't even necessarily realise are there first time well, I but it's also the big stupid green monster well, that's what we're there for, really. <laughs> no, actually, I mean, I'm in Rusty Davis' era for those moments of emotion that hit. And there's one pretty much in every single episode. Yeah. And some of them hit really, really hard. Remember that bit with the lottery ticket and Jeffrey Noble in it? Oh. That breaks my heart. Oh, it's, where, yeah. where Wilf gives him the gun and tells him to kill him off. And, you know, just those scenes. Yeah. And then that bit's made more epic by the fact he takes the gun back. It's... <laughs> But to, to me as well, though, they do carry on through Moffat's time as well. There's a lot of Moffat stuff that really chokes me up or gets me emotional. It's only sort of... <laughs> no, no, not, I'm genuinely not <laughs> having a go. It's only since Chibnall that I've not felt any, like, emotion. Now, I'm going to disagree, and you knew that. But only yeah. because I find most of Moffat's emotional moments, they're not honest emotional moments. They're, they're very much um, constructed emotional moments. A bit like, I don't know, Amy and Rory in Angel Take Manhattan, where they have to jump off the roof together. And the story has to go through ridiculously complicated hoops. And to get them to that point where they make that choice. Whereas in Rusty Davis, it would just be the choice. It would just be the emotion. Yeah, I, I mean, it, I think it does vary by example. That 
I mean, that doesn't work for me. It's not like crying at the, when they're still on the roof or they're making this big choice. Um, the acting. The acting's marvellous. But, you know, even like last, last night, I watched Last Christmas, and even though even though you get uh, there's a fake out there and it's what it's quite remembered for, that chokes me off when, when he gets there and she's old. Believe me, but Last Christmas is my favourite Christmas special. I, honestly, I tweeted last night. It gets better every single year. It's it's yeah. in my top three, easy. What's your favourite? Don't you dare say Christmas carols. No, it's not. You know, um, I, I've heard you say stuff about Christmas. <laughs> you <laughs> say stuff about Christmas no. carols. No. Um, no, it would be Voyage of the Damned, I think, because it's just so fucking fun. Oh it's just. I don't know that bit where those those angels are sending him up like Jesus is a bit much for me. <laughs> Ah, they're angels they've got wings <laughs> I found a stowaway upon the ship on Christmas day oh, I, love that. I was there so I gave him a chance oh can't we do Voice of the Dam one time that'd be really fun to do fuck strictly let's get <laughs> <laughs> oh my word now you don't see that very often no just... Would, you, would you rather have Elton topless or Matt Smith topless? Oh, well, I've got to confess something to you because I confessed it last time. You've probably forgotten or blocked it from your memory because you don't want to know. <laughs> but, um, like, okay, men with pigeon chests, like thin chests, like he's got, like Matt Smith's got, man, that is absolutely my thing. That's so, your thing. I couldn't choose between them, really. Matt Smith's yeah. got more of a pigeon chest, I think. Matt Smith's just got nothing there at all. Plus, like, I suppose to sleep with a doctor is... It's quite the story, yeah, isn't it? It'd be the eleventh Doctor, so it's like I'd rather sleep with Sylvester McCoy, if I'm honest. <laughs> <laughs> what does he say in the in the uh, twenty-four karat gold thing? Like, Surprise! It's me. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, this and do you know what? The moment in a minute where she finds the photo and confronts him outside is one of the best scenes of the era. Like her performance, yes, is extraordinarily good. Yeah, tour de force for Camille Cadori. This it really just fleshes everything from the past two years out of her character. But like a character that complicated, because we we've, we've gone through a hell of a journey with her. He boils her down to a couple of lines. Um, let me tell you something about people that get left behind. It's hard, and that's all you really need to know. Yeah, it's, it's such good writing. I know. I, I can't wait for Russell to come back. I'm not saying he's going to knock out Love and Monsters every week, but, you know, it's oh, just... I only hope. Uh, I, <laughs> I did um, uh, an Army of Ghosts doomsday commentary with Toby Haydock the other day, right? And he said, when we were talking about the Rusty Davis era, that Rusty Davis just doesn't write bad character parts. Like, everybody gets a moment if you're a Rusty Davis character. And I do agree with that. Yeah, that's I true. That's I where, agree. Where Moffat and Chibnall fail because i think they waste characters sometimes i mean, i wouldn't agree so much with moffat but i do agree that rcd does it better um what i would say Doctor the Widow. Uh, yeah i that is his one that's the one moffat episode i struggle to defend because it's actually just boring it's the one thing you'd never it's the one word you would never use to describe moffat's doctor who you think that's the only one that's boring? All right, well, <laughs> <laughs> What's another boring Moffat episode? Like written by Moffat? Uh, Time of the Doctor is incredibly tedious. Oh no! See, we just covered that for the pod, and I, I had 
worst memories of it, but then actually watching it, I found it really quite emotional. I get annoyed that every doctor goes out on a massive long speech. I'm like, will you just die already every single time? That's the best long speech, though. All the stuff about yeah, breath on a mirror. goes on forever, doesn't it? Oh, 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 what's... Eat avocado. <laughs> what no. the fuck is he talking about as well? It's like, only kids can hear your name. What's that going to do with anything? <laughs> but the last... The... The very last line's nice. If he just walked in and said, Doctor, let you go, you'd be like, whoa, great. But all the gibbering and jabbering is not great. What's funny about Rusty Davis and Stephen Moffat is I feel like they should have gone just a little bit earlier. I feel Rusty Davis probably should have gone on Journey's End. Like, that should have yeah. been David Tennant's last story. Even though I wouldn't, I wouldn't lose Waters and Mars for anything. I love it. But I think that's kind of like a natural end to that era. And I feel like Moffat definitely should have gone on World Enough Time and the Doctor Falls and Twice Upon a Time should just vanish into the ether. I, I've got a lot to say about Twice Upon a Time, so I won't start. But I like it. <laughs> but it, I think it's just it's just a coda to to Capaldi and the whole of Doctor Who. And you can just decide yourself if you want it to exist or not. Luke, what you need is a jolly good smack bottom. All right. <laughs> I've got nothing wrong without William Hartnell's portrayed in that. But uh, well, anyway. Right, grabbing it to the list. Time and Angel Special Stone, uh, Voyage of the Damned, and Twice Upon a Time. Yeah, yeah. I don't think anyone's going to be clamouring to do Twice Upon a Time. (laughs) (laughs) We're going for a Chinese. Are we? All right, well, after this. (laughs) Together. It's oh. the first thing that in Christmas Love and Monsters is the first thing they're doing is eating the Chinese. Oh, hang on. Oh, yeah. not, not on that day. They just get one for Christmas Eve. It's just a paving slab. Yeah, yeah. Do they have a love life in your story? Not, not like that. It's about, it's about love. There's love in it. You can't really snog a paving slab, can you? Do you know how hard it was to write, like, to, for any emotion to happen? Because it's like, what, what could she do? It's like, she you can't move. That. You're writing a science fiction story. You could have just actualized her as a human being just with a line. Nah, what's the point in that? I'm a Doctor Who fan. Let's make it hard for myself. <laughs> no, what you could have done is cemented her into the building so she's just there on the wall. You know? <laughs> if, everyone, if everyone sat down to read the story, though, and Ursula uh, was at a pavement slab, they'd feel cheated. <laughs> there's, a, there's a comedy in it, isn't there? People really take offence to that line, don't they? Because they, they think he's talking about blowies. <laughs> well, yeah, he is, though, isn't he? Well. well what, what's, what's, the, what's the problem? Kids aren't going to know. It's like uh, Shrek. There's loads of sex jokes in Shrek. Loads of Disney's. Like, there's, there's, yeah. And, and like, look at Pantos. Pantos feature tons of, like, jokes that work on several levels. Yeah, it's, it's fine by me. Here we go. I, I, I love sex jokes in Doctor Who. We'll talk. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is what surprises me about uh, you when you t- when you don't like Moffat. Some of Moffat's humour. I was waiting all, to call me out on this. It's it's all it's all sex jokes, and you're all sex jokes. So is it just that you're too similar? Are you suggesting I have no substance beyond? How <laughs> <I> dare you? <laughs> is it? What is it though? Well, because I've got a surprise for you, Luke. Look at oh, I'm Stephen Moffat. <laughs> <laughs> when you've been someone's former showrunner. 
All right, we're going to have to be quiet for this bit. Tears like chicken. <laughs> I love the name of the planet. Glob. Glob. Oh, we just missed a bit. There's a... On the very flash of that paper, it says Mr. Saxon in the polls, doesn't it? He's that's, good at that, and he's very good at that. That's a Mr. Saxon thing. And on the back, it just says grey, uh, golden golden goat or something. So I made golden goat of vodka into my story, and uh, Elton gets it for Christmas. I love the fact that one of them's on his arse cheek. There's police on the arse, yeah. She gets it the worst. I said, I really don't want to know. <laughs> um, I... Uh... No, no, I'm, I'm going to answer your question in a minute as well about sex jokes. I have an answer. Yeah, should we leave it to the end? Because that's right. when it comes in, isn't it? All right. And we're about to, get, about to get some absorbable off actions. She is going to be sucked right into him, I'm telling you. I know. Lucky girl. <laughs> you want to be absorbable off? On the most recent podcast we did, we had a Christmas party and Chris did Shag, Marry, Avoid, Slavine, Absorbable Off and... I don't even remember the other one. We both married the absorbable off though. Give me the other one. I'll do it quickly. Ah, yeah. Um, Levine or and it's the one I avoided. I shagged the Slovene. Oh, oh, yeah, I know. So... I'll sleep with the Slovene because they got cute. I'll say a half. A half. Yeah. I'll marry the half because I don't talk. So that's fine. <laughs> I'll sleep with the Slovene because they got cute little ass. And um, what was the other one? Absorbable off. Oh, I'll snog the absorber. Oh, God. No, you can't do that. <laughs> I quite like green jelly, so, you know. Or you could do it like Pushing Daisy style, you know, with a bit of cling film. I missed that show. What show that was. <laughs> I think the absorber off is scary. Uh, no, I wasn't scared of him. And I was, I was scared of things back then. Okay, do you think the absorber off is novel? Yeah. I think it's a great design. You can see why they went for it on the on the Blue Peter competition. Well, I remember you saying to me in our drunken version of this that the absorbable off was supposed to be the size of a bus. Yeah, apparently. That, that's he, that's what it was envisioned as. Wasn't he disappointed when he turned up? I'm sorry, I spoiled Yeah, him. apparently so. Um, still, it looks good. I, I like the thong. <laughs> <laughs> he might have been young, but he's still a Doctor Who fan, so he's not happy with anything. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's learning young. God, I love the fact that she's still got her glasses. She's got her glasses. <laughs> yeah. I mean, oh. like, um, I don't know what the woman's name is playing Ursula. I think she's very good, but she's voting, oh. and she's inside that bloody latex suit. <laughs> what is it? It's, well, it's who plays Mona Myrtle? What's she called? Um, Shirley Henderson. That's it. Um, I mean. How much fun must they have had filming those scenes? Oh, I know. This this is the centre of Cardiff as well. This is like uh, uh, just around the corner from the, the train station. All right. Again, location tour. We went to find this alleyway where, he, where he's chasing him down. This and... is deeper than anything in classic here, isn't it? <laughs> oh, yeah. We went to find this alleyway and we found out it's being converted into a car park. And the only thing left that exists is this tiny little corner of bricks. And so we got a photo there, and it's it's try it. There's a massive car park in the centre of Cardiff, and a little brick wall, and it's the brick wall he's, he's sat right there for. Your dedication to Love and Monsters, honestly, it's admirable. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> if I could go down to the number one fan, that'd, that'd be me done. I think I think <laughs> after that story, you might be, you know. We're about to get 
It's got to be one of your favourite lines. Rose is arriving in the TARDIS. Yes. You hurt my mum. <laughs> <laughs> no one upsets my mum. Oh, yeah, it's, it's big Ted at first. So I want to work with you. God, he's so pretty, isn't he? Oh, my word. Just very, do you know what? When he came along, I was very confused because I've never fancied the Doctor before. And I spent three and a half years fancying the Doctor. <laughs> <laughs> I think Rose is very underrated in Series 2, you know. I think she has some moments where she's a bit irritated, but, but I think she has some terrific moments as well. Crikey, she gets hate for no reason whatsoever. She's the most true companion there's ever been. So, what? for me... It's because she's a right old cowbag, and so are people. Yeah. No yeah. one's like Clara, all goody-goody all the time. No one's like Bill, really, all lovely all the time. She's a total bitch, and that's what we're all like. Yeah, and I find Clara more irritating than Rose any day of the week, because Rose is just true. You can relate to Rose even when she's being a cow. So I still think she's probably, I'd say, the best companion. Not my favourite, but the best. She's the Maybe. most true. Maybe like the most authentic. Definitely, yeah. Awesome. She's great to watch. There's a reason why it sucked so many people in back then yeah. through her eyes. And not just the absorber. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, this... I absolutely I adore Martha and I adore Donna as well. Um, yeah. But I, I, I mean, I love Donna through and through. Like, I love Donna when she's like horrible and when she's nice. Yes, yeah. Just great. They're all great. I, yeah. I like most of the companions from the new series, to be honest. I've only got one thing to say to you, Luke. Anne-Marie. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Anne-Marie. <laughs> We've all got Anne. Hi, hi Martha. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Take me shopping, big boy. <laughs> right, Smith and Jones, get on the list. <laughs> no, I've done that with Mark. Oh, we'll do it again. About, you remember Freem Regiment in Sense8? Yeah. And her first scene, she pulls a sloppy dildo out of a woman and plonks it down on the floor. I couldn't believe it. Martha Jones. Oh, God, things have changed. The doctor truly screwed her up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. By the earth. Oh, Ursula. Bye-bye, Elton. That CGI is really bye. bad. <laughs> I'll leave it alone. <laughs> oh, oh. oh, look how convincing he is. Just feel so sorry for him. He looks beaten. Now, see, Rose is warming to him. I love Rose's pigtails here. Yeah, and he goes, right. that's Ursula. <laughs> But, you know, Elton's lost his mum, like so we're about to get to. Uh, Jackie's basically lost a daughter. Bridget's lost a daughter. Bliss has got no one. Mr. Skinner's got no one. Yeah. I'd say it's so good. Almost. <laughs> Elton! <laughs> fetch a spade! <laughs> that's, that's the one we always used to, like, when we watched it at uni, everyone just get ready for that line. Just <laughs> <laughs> All you need to do is add ah to anything. Quote David. Yes. Martha! <laughs> Donna! Oh, God. It's so good. 
Oh, this bit in a minute where, because, you know, um, he's essentially been using the same ELO song throughout, hasn't he? Mr. Blue Sky, which incidentally is the number one most listened to song ever. Wow. Did not know. Uh, now, is that just me at university? <laughs> the pushing the, pushing the poster. Yeah. <laughs> How many times did you listen to it, Luke? Oh. <laughs> That's, that says it all. But what the good thing about Mr. Blue Sky is it has this kind of meteoric kind of emotional high. So, hey, you with the and then it's got this really sad. It's the, it it, go, it covers like the gamut of emotions. Yeah, yeah. Well, Russell T says he always writes to a song, doesn't he? Over and over, he just listens to that song on repeat. So he's probably just done that with this. And that's someone would imagine who lost. I've lost my mother. I find that very moving. I didn't lose her to a shadow monster in my house. I, <laughs> <but> <laughs> I absorbed her. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> now. I can, you know, I can imagine it. Really. the joke, you know. She had a very dark sense. Do you know what? I'm going to tell you this right now, okay, very quickly. Is that um, uh, she had terminal cancer. And she, she was writing a list in the hospital, right, for her funeral. She's writing a bloody list of names. And she did two lists. And I was like, what's this? I said, we're not having two lists. She goes, this is the list of people I want at my funeral. And this is the list of the people that might piss me off between now and then. You can take off. <laughs> That's a woman she was. Oh, yeah, she sounds brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that computer. You know, this is one of the most profound endings to a Doctor Who story. Oh, it's great, yeah. So I think it's one of my, well, I think it is my favourite quote from Doctor Who. You, do you know it verbatim? Because you can say it right now if you like. Oh, you're putting me on the spot. <laughs> I know this bit verbatim. <laughs> We've even got a bit of a love life. <laughs> oh, here we go. Here we go. I'm not saying it again. <laughs> go on. <laughs> Do you know what, right? There's some pretty weird porn out there, but I've never seen paving slab porn. But they, they, I mean, that would be a niche OnlyFans just to them, wouldn't it? Oh, 100%. Yeah, they'd make loads of money. You'd move out of that flat in no time, wouldn't you? Be able to get a laptop, mm. uh, remote control Zoom. I know he's got one by the end. Actually. Start now, look. Jesus Christ. <laughs> You've left the camera on. <laughs> It's so hard. It's like every time Elton didn't, uh, Ashley didn't speak of a story, but had to acknowledge what Elton said. It was like she moved her eyes. I was just trying to find new ways of saying that. Her nose twitched. <laughs> but I, I promise you, it's good <laughs> for anyone who wants to. Well, it. guys, look at the show notes. Go and read it. It's the perfect Christmas. Oh my God. Yeah, Rossi Davis might adapt it for his new series. Wouldn't that be that would be the ultimate? We need to find a way of patting him so he gets to it. <laughs> okay. The campaign starts here. No what? If if we can push it to Rusty Davis, then we'll release the drunk cut of this commentary. Should we say that? Oh yes. Oh, well, I don't, do you think you'll care about that? Maybe. <laughs> no, but you know. <laughs> Actually, yeah, no, he'll love it. A drunk and a soap man flirting outrageously. Man, he's all over that shit. I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so much better oh it's all over too quick he basically just said life is scary it's wonderful it's brilliant and it's so much better 
than the mundanity mundanities i use that word so you think it is yeah you can go through life and you can think it's all tick boxes you know get a life get a job get married and that's it but there's joy to be found in the most mundane things just find a group of people find a task and and uh, just enjoy every little bit of life. That's what the episode is saying. It's so nice. I mean, I'm going to throw a massive compliment your way now. You know, life, you know, probably about 80% of life is just going through mundane tasks, isn't it? Um, eating and having a shit and doing your washing and doing your groceries and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And there are those absolute magical moments where you enjoy life thoroughly, such as this commentary that I've... <laughs> now I'm speechless. <laughs> Oh my god, the next episode started. Oh no, stop fear her, stop. I'm not you, Chloe Webber. Okay, so I need to ask you a question and then I'm going to have a small dialogue with you about sex jokes. Um, yes. <laughs> and that is, can you name, and I know you can, three things to recommend Love and Monsters? Why somebody should go and watch it immediately? It's a totally unique episode, Doctor Who. Uh, you are the person. You are basically Elton. It, it, it's almost real. You know, you're, you're Elton and the Doctor's coming into your world rather than what is usually the other way around. The Doctor lands and sort of finds his way in. It's, the, it's literally the reverse of that. Um, it's so funny in the way that Russell T. D. episodes are. Uh, it's funny and charming you've got all the songs the dancing the singing elton's great um and yeah to just tie that in i think the characters are so real and so fun but with all that normal human grit just underneath as well that just elevates it so it's not just silly can i name can i add three more yeah, well, my third one would just be the Absorbal Off. I think it's time to stop the hate. Deep down, everyone knows they love the Absorbal Off. It's silly, but when, when Doctor Who... Well, no, Doctor Who is always silly. We just need to get over it. <laughs> Doctor Who is always bloody silly. Go and watch the classic series. It's fucking ridiculous about 80% of the time. Yeah, watch any episode. It's silly. It's a silly show. <laughs> you don't get monsters these days that run down the street going, Rrr, but you do it no. monsters. And that's what it did, Joe. It went, <laughs> Okay, well, here we go. Yes, go Tyler is one. Oh. And that sequence where she says about uh, being left behind because it's genuinely emotional. Uh, number two is, oh, I just love the depiction of the doctor being there on the worst day of his life. That, uh, Rusty Davis does that sort of um, mythic yes. stuff really, really well. And it's quite a subtle here. It's not, it can get a bit over the top sometimes, uh, but it's, it's kind of nicely done here. And number three is we've given that old woman some work going to conventions with her one line of, <laughs> Rose Tyler! <laughs> you know, she's still working, which is good. Do you know where she is? I'll just make a note of it now. So I can get in the next convention. I, um, I need to meet her. Well, I think she might have only done one, but you know, of course, I think I missed my chance. So I think she's done other acting. You know, that's not <laughs> her only work. That one line. I don't care about the rest, Joe. <laughs> Just say the line, bitch. Right? <laughs> um, <laughs> Do the raw. The corner and the lift. Say the line. You ain't getting out of this lift. <laughs> Um, <laughs> okay, tell me a sex joke. What? Uh, Who's from, sex joke? 
What about the Sonic Screwdriver boner from Crimson Horror? Oh, I hate it. <laughs> I hate it. Um, or the two Sonic Screwdrivers in Day of the Doctor. Yeah. I hate but that. But I'd see, no, just like knowing what you laugh at and sort of the jokes you make. I just like, I just find, I just find it odd. Because this is like, this is a podcast for adults. Yeah. Like, yeah. I put this out with an explicit tag, so really children shouldn't be listening to this. Um, and if parents know what's right from, they should be monitoring what their kids are listening to. And if they weren't <laughs> explicit, they should not be listening to this. So this this is definitely for adults. Doctor Who is for a family audience. It's for kids. Now, I don't mind it if it's kind of subtle, like it is in Love and Monsters. That's very subtle, because it could be talking about kissing. But when it's stuff like Matt Smith perving over Clara... I just think that's really good. when it's Karen Gillan trying to fuck Matt Smith. And oh, I, come on. I, you know, as an adult, it's funny, but I do not want to sit there and have a conversation with my like, six-year-old niece going, well, what's Amy trying to do? Oh, well, she's trying to fuck the doctor. But <laughs> let me explain to you about what fucking is. You know? Yeah, like, but they won't know. And I admit that one is a bit on the nose, but like... <laughs> it's kind of like a level of responsibility that you should have. And I think Moffat veered a little bit off at time. Just like I think, like, you remember the line in um, Dark Water, don't cremate me? I think that's one of the most irresponsible lines. That's, yeah, that's bad. I, I, I think that's bad because I think even as an adult, that can go through you a bit. And that's, that's my, like my only serious objection is I think he forgets sometimes that he's writing for a family audience. That, I don't think Rusty Davis ever forgot that. I, I suppose I'm just selfish and I don't mind it because <laughs> I'm not a, I'm not a family audience. Where like Amy trying to fuck the doctor, I think is I think there's so many good lines in it. What do you mean? It's been a while. <laughs> I mean, I get the humor. I do, I do. Um, yeah, no, I do understand what you're saying, uh, but I suppose, I suppose, because I've got no kids or responsibility, I'm just, I just like it. Here we go. Well, whereas, like, you know, I've had people like um, John Bensala on, and he's got young children, um, and he's kind of he will censor what they can and cannot watch with Doctor Who, and that's <laughs> so, um, so they get flesh and stone off until the last. Five minutes. Oh, I don't know, but the angels, Jesus Christ, terrify a four-year-old. Yeah, true, true. Sleep again. <laughs> um, but I'll tell you what, let's let's wrap this up here. Uh, but you and I have a small list of now. Look, I'm, now I've got you on a promise now for Time of Angels, Flesh and Stone, for Voyage of the Dam, and Twice Upon a Time. Because there's some good conversation to be had there with those. Yes, yeah. Um, where can people find you and your podcast? Uh yeah, on twitter and facebook if you just search lost on gallifrey that's the name of the podcast you'll be able to find us uh this we've got a link tree url there that puts you everywhere so you can get us on apple Podcasts, spotify amazon uh you can go over to my blog where i publish the stories that have been on about so christmas love of monsters check it out it's a christmas story and there'll also be my brand brand new one uh the last of the great unit christmas parties uh, which will be dropping on Sunday the 19th. If this if this goes out tomorrow, then it'll be the same day. Um, so, yeah, I'm really excited for people to read them, uh, especially, obviously, the new one. But if you haven't read the old one, although, it, you know, it's a bit of an investment. It's a 38-page thing, but hopefully you'll enjoy it so much that it'll be... Christmas holidays. I can't think of anything better than to go to a Christmas unit party 
faster on your holidays. Yeah, that one is sort of. I always feel like unit that that family. It's just sad that they didn't get a Christmas special. I know they weren't, you know, didn't do them back then, but they just it just suits the era. I think. What are you talking about? That's the time monster. It's <clears throat> a massive. Yeah. Well, it's yeah, it's a panto, isn't it? I suppose. Um, and then Christmas Love and Monsters was a massive passion project. And the more you've watched it. The, the more you'll get out of it because there's references everywhere. But Rachel's read it and she assures me it works on its own as well. <laughs> I can't wait. I can't wait. Um, but actually, on that note, I would like to get the pair of you on a classic at some point as well because that probably would be a lot of fun, especially if we chose something really shit. Yes, I think uh, Chris does get into his element in the, in the shit ones. There's a lot that Chris hasn't seen and that's what sort of makes the podcast a bit better. So sometimes... He's seen quite a lot of black and white. He's a weird fan. He's seen like all the missing episodes, like audio wise, but he hasn't seen pretty much any of the Davidson era. Has he, <laughs> have you seen the twin dilemma? Yes. Yeah, we've seen the twin dilemma. He that. loves it. Thy craggy knob. <laughs> uh, but no, Davidson, like, I think he's only seen Anjazani and Five Doctors, I think. Oh, uh, oh and Cash Javolva, because we did that on the pod. And I don't think he's a big fan of, oh, well, obviously Terminus. Ter uh, yeah. Were you going to ask to recommend an episode? Because if there is an episode of the podcast I recommend, it is Terminus. And it is just to see Chris break down in probably what is one of the very worst episodes of Doctor Who that has ever been. So boring. It can survive anything but being boring. And that know. is interminably boring. Oh, I tell you what we could do. Because oh. for the same sort of reasons, Underworld. Oh my God. I mean, if, if you want to. <laughs> I've been brave enough to suggest that yet. You're wrong. <laughs> so what I'll say for now then is until next time, thank you very much for your time. Twice over. It's been oh. a pleasure. No, thank you so much. And thanks for letting me uh, re-record this and hide the drunk take for forever. And I hope I haven't uh, witted on too much. Please check it all out, the podcast and the story. And uh, yeah, thanks so much for having us on, Joe. All right, mate. Until next time.